XO, right? That was our conference. But now we're going to talk about love, relationships, and God in the church. Uh, it's relationship month uh, when I've been doing youth ministry for so long, and I just can't shake doing relationship month. So you guys get a relationship month. Like my teenagers roll their eyes at every time February comes around because we get to talk about all the fun things they don't want anybody to ever talk to them about. Uh, but I, I'm excited because uh, Valentine's Day is around the corner. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Valentine's Day is in a few days. It's like Thursday. So just so you know, just a little bit of you know, insight, and I need to remind myself of that as well, but just remember it's coming up soon. Uh, but February is kind of a natural month that we take time and we evaluate love and relationships, whether we know it consciously or not, because Valentine's Day is very commercialized, but we do use it to focus on giving somebody we love something special, right? So this month, we're going to unpack love and relationships and the church and God, and, and, and we're going to work our way through that. And it's all messy, and it's, it's, it's beautiful all at the same time, and we're going to start to unpack that. But before we do that, I, I understood something as I was prepping for this message. We can talk about all that stuff, but until we know our foundation, where we start at, what anchors us, the rest I'm going to tell you doesn't matter as much un, until we get the foundation right. So that's what I want to talk to you today about is foundation. So we're going to talk about foundation. So I want to talk to you and give you a little illustration about uh, the tallest building in the world. Anybody know the name of it? The Burj Khalifa, right? It's in Abu Dhabi. Like, it's super tall. How tall? Oh, I'm glad you asked. 2,700 feet tall. 2,717 feet tall. It's over half a mile long. Tall, though. Not long. Tall. All right? It was built and finished and opened on January 4th, 2010. Uh, it is taller than the next tallest building by 1,100 feet. Uh, before this building came around, every building that was the new tallest building in the world was always within feet of each other, right? Sometimes inches. And they would add, you know, towers on the top just to get it taller than the next building. Uh, you can't do that this time because it's 1,100 feet taller than the next one. And it's double the height of the Empire State Building. Just to start putting things in perspective, right? Like, I can't actually even fathom how tall it is because it doesn't register in my head. And I've been Minneapolis, Chicago, flown over New York. Like, I mean, I've seen tall buildings, but I've never seen a building like that. You can accommodate 12,000 people in the building, and it costs $1.5 billion to build. And here are some of the other records it holds other than just tallest building. It's the tallest man-made structure, period, before it was a radio mast at 2,121 feet tall. So it's 600 feet taller than the next tallest structure, and it can, people can be inside, right? Uh, it has the highest and fastest elevator system. Elevators go up to 40 miles an hour. All right? I have clearly never experienced this, but I've heard you can watch the sunset on the ground floor take the elevator to the top floor and watch the sunset again. Because you get so high so fast, you can watch it set again. The closest I've come to that is I went on a mission trip to Vietnam, and when we flew back, I saw the sunrise four or five times because we were keeping ahead of the sun as it was coming up, which was kind of cool. Uh, but to do it in a matter of minutes might be a totally different thing, right? So 40 miles an hour, uh, it's the tallest structure to include residential space. You can live in this building. It's not just office space. It's got the highest outside observation deck. That deck is on the 124th floor. I, I don't know if you guys heard that. 124 floors. 
And I don't know if you're like me, but like, like I love roller coasters and I'll do like the space needles and the, the jumps and stuff. But unrestrained heights, like where I don't have a harness over the top of me, I'm terrified. Like it could be a glass bottom thing and I'm like, I, I lose it. Like my roof, I can reach up and touch the, my roof. But if I'm up on that roof, I'm terrified. I'm like hugging the thing. Like I had to replace my roof and that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. And my roof, roof doesn't even have that, that big of a pitch to it. And some of you in here were on my roof with me, and I, that was the most terrifying thing I think I've ever done. Okay, not really, but I felt scared. But this is on the 124th floor that you can get out and look at the space. It's got the world's highest mosque up on the 158th floor. It's got the highest swimming pool. Guess what floor that one's on? The 76th floor. 76? Like, I can't even fathom this, right? Like, it's so tall, so big, so, so whatever. But here's the deal. As tall as it is and all the records it's set, what's most important to that building is what actually lies beneath the surface, and that's the foundation of the building. Without that foundation, the tallest building would just crumble. The foundation of that building is 164 feet deep. They used 59,000 cubic yards of concrete weighing over 120,000 tons to anchor that building down. Again, we can't really even fathom how much weight that is, right? But without that deep and wide and strong foundation, the building would crumble. So today when I talk to you about foundation, I'm talking to you about foundation because in our lives, without a strong, deep, wide, and just solid foundation, everything in our life will begin to crumble, So as we kick off a series on relationships and love, I want to root us in where our foundation lies, and that's in the love of God and God's love for us. And as we understand that, as we unpack that, that sets up the foundation for the rest of our relationships. Because the truth is, if if my relationship with God is not healthy and my foundation is not deep with him, the rest of my relationships teeter and crumble. I can't be a great husband to my wife. I can't be a good father to my parents, or to my parents. I can't be a good parent to my children, father to my kids. There, that's where I was trying to go. Uh, it, all, it all crumbles. And maybe it takes time. Maybe it's not something that happens overnight, but it will happen. Jesus talks about this in Matthew when he talks about the two builders who built on two different foundations. One built on uh, sandy soil and one built on the rock. And a storm came and knocked one of the buildings down. And which building fell? It was the one on the sandy soil on the weak foundation. The foundation of our love in God is the foundation for our love for everyone else. So Jesus has an encounter in Mark chapter 12 uh, that I want to read to you. And if you've got your Bibles or the Bible app, you can open it up. Uh, If you don't, you're just going to have to hear my voice because I didn't get the notes in the computer. So uh, open your Bibles. It's in the app as well. And I want to just tell you a story of what Jesus responded and why this is foundational for us. So Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, says this. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Uh, The previous section of scripture talks about Jesus uh, teaching and debating with other teachers of the time. Uh, So this guy came, heard them debating, and noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked him, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? Before I move on, that's a really good question, right? Like he's like, okay, you know, you guys can argue about the technicalities of all the commandments, but which one is the most important? It's a really smart question. Jesus answers, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it. Like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Uh, just in case you're wondering, that's like a mic drop. Jesus just answered that question, mic drop, and walked out of the building. Uh, but I, I find this passage of scripture very fascinating to me because we've heard, most of us, like, we've heard that scripture. We say it sometimes. We talk about what's the most important commandment, what's the second most important commandment. Like, we say those words. Uh, but I think we fail to understand the depth of what Jesus was saying in this moment. Jesus took the entire summary of the law, the prophets, history, what was to come and what we now call the New Testament and boiled it down to two fundamental truths. He said, what's important to love God and then to love others. And he boiled it all down. He, he said, all those other laws, they all point to this one thing. All the other commandments, they point to this one thing. Everything else you're going to be taught by Paul and John and Peter and all those guys boils down to one thing, to love God and to love others. And it's really a a massive feat of linguistics and theological meaning that he packs into this. And we read it and we're like, oh yeah, I love the Lord your God. And we kind of pass over. And I want us to understand the depth of what he did, how fascinating it is, how great a teacher it is. There's a reason he could drop the mic and and walk out after that statement because it was so deep. It was so powerful. And that is the foundation of what we have to live our life on. We have to understand what Jesus was saying here. So we're going to concentrate on the first thing that Jesus said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, uh, the Lord is God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Because that's going to be the foundation for the rest of the series uh, going forward, all right? So the, the first natural question out of this is, what is love? Anybody else get that in their head? Or do I just look like an idiot on the stage? I sang it for a service, but I thought it'd be more fun to see if anybody was singing along with me, right? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Like, there are millions of songs written about love. Love stinks. Like, that's a personal favorite of mine, right? Uh, Like, you could just talk about love songs have been on, going on for a long time. But what is love? That is an essential question we have to ask ourselves going forward because if we can't understand what love is and how it relates to God, we can't apply it to any other aspect of our life. So what is love? The English dictionary defines it as a noun to be unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another person. But it's also a verb. And in that context, love means to like or desire actively, to take pleasure in, to hold dear, and to cherish. Love has multiple meanings, and love can be used as a verb and as a noun. And uh, growing up, uh, I grew up as a teenager where I wasn't allowed to listen to non-Christian music. So I listened to a lot of the great 90s bands, which fight with me about that they were not the best bands ever. Uh, But anyway, the great 90s Christian bands like DC Talk and Audio Adrenaline, and DC Talk had one called Love is a Verb. And uh, it... It was awesome. I'd sing it all the time before I even really understood what love was. But I'm like, yeah, love's a verb, yeah, and get all excited about it. But uh, love is a verb. There's action behind it, and it means both a noun and a verb. And in, in our context, right, 
In our context, we look at these things and we have to understand that love is more than just a feeling. It's also action and a state of mind. Because I promise you, there are going to be times that you don't want to love somebody. That's because that's how you feel. But love is not just an emotion. Love is a state of mind and an action. And I'm telling you, uh, my wife and I have been married for almost 14 years, and there are times that uh, I really didn't like my wife. And maybe, maybe, I, I don't know that I ever really got there, maybe I didn't want to love her at that moment, like just being real, but I chose to. Because love is an action, and it's, it's a state of mind, and I can choose to love. You can choose to love, in spite of how you feel. Because uh, let's be honest, there are people that you don't want to love and you strongly don't want to love. Now, maybe you didn't hear me, but you strongly don't want to love, right? It could be a coworker, could be a family member that you despise. I mean, it could be whatever, but we are commanded to love. And we need to understand and separate the emotion from the action and what that means. So love is more than that. Because here's the deal. If we really boil it down in Genesis, God created people, human beings, for relationship and for love. And he didn't want a fleet of robots or zombies walking around saying how much they love him. He, he created us so we could choose to love him. And he could choose to love us. And it creates this fascinating, messy relationship. Because we're messed up. <laughs> we screw up. We're messy. And God still chooses to love us. He still chooses to love us. And when Jesus came on this earth, he loved us so much he died on the cross for us. And let me tell you something. I promise you, his human nature didn't feel like loving you when he was getting whipped or beaten or spit on or his beard pulled out and nailed to that cross. But love wasn't just a feeling. It was action and he knew that true love would die on that cross for us. God is love. We have to understand that. 1 John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Going on in verse 16, it says, and we know and rely on the love that God has for us because God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. These are powerful words. And the hope of our salvation is is on John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Love is so powerful and ever-present. And I want you to understand, first, God chose to love us in our mess. He created human beings knowing we were gonna be messed up. Knowing where you and I sit today that we are broken and messy and he still loves us. Right, Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow, man, like this is, This is messy stuff. And he's asking for us to love him in return the same way he loves us. And to understand that that kind of love, we have to actually uh, look at it because we read love and love is one word and has many definitions. In the original Greek, they would write it in different ways. And uh, many of you have maybe heard the phrase agape love or maybe phileia love, phileo love. I might be screwing that up. I didn't take Greek. I took Hebrew. Uh, (laughs) uh, But phileo means brotherly love and agape love means unconditional love love and it's different and in all those passages i just read you and in our section in mark uh, where jesus is saying love the lord your god love 
uh, with all your heart, love, love, love. He's using that agape word, and it means, uh, it means this. It does not mean an affection or romantic attachment. It means a caring love, a deliberate attitude of mind that concerns itself with the well-being of the one loved. It's a selfless love. It goes much deeper than just the feelings. Self-devotion, not self-satisfaction, is its dominant trait. Agape means to love unconditionally and sacrificially as God first gave us the example by sending his son Jesus. Unconditional. He did it knowing that sometimes some people would choose not to receive it. He did it because he needed to. It's not emotional based, but it's ever present. And the very first step in us understanding the foundation of, of God's love is understanding that his love for us is unending. It's unconditional, and it's for all people. He loves you for your mess, <laughs> like, in spite of your mess. Like, he loves you, and Jesus died for you. And then in return, because he loves us, we love him. And it's this really complex structure <laughs> because we have to choose love a lot of times. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't walk around and be like, oh, I feel God in everything I do. If, if you do, you are blessed. Because <laughs> there are some times I'm like, God, where are you? You know, what's, what are you doing? I don't know what's happening. I read my Bible, I pray, I talk, and I feel like I'm talking to a wall. I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm doing all the right things. I worship, and maybe I get a little emotional, but I, I don't know that I feel you. God still loves you. It's regardless of our feeling. And we can still choose to love him regardless of how we feel. So it's this complex structure of how things work. And we must constantly seek to remember that our love for him must be much more than our emotions. We must love God even when we can't rely on our emotions to feel close to him. Uh, one of the most difficult seasons in our marriage, uh, in Jody and I's marriage, is when Jody was in Iraq for a year. Uh, she served in the Army National Guard and was deployed for a year. Uh, that was really hard. And if, if any of you have served and, and gone through deployment or you've had to spend an, uh, an extended amount of time separated from a spouse, uh, that's difficult. And there were a lot of times, I'll speak for myself, I don't know where she was at, but I didn't feel love from her. I didn't feel love for her because the distance was so great. It wasn't that I didn't love her, right? You guys understand what I'm saying? It wasn't anything like that, but I didn't feel it because she wasn't there with me. She wasn't there right beside me. We couldn't talk every day. You know, her schedule is way different than mine. And, and we'd write letters and we'd talk when we could. And they were always, uh, those conversations were always more informational than they were uh, intimate conversations, right? They were all like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, we just bought a house. I just started full-time at the, the church I was working at. I was full-time at the YMCA as well. Yes, I had two full-time jobs at the time. Uh, just trying to keep myself busy. And it was really difficult. But I didn't feel, right, emotionally. I didn't feel that love, but I chose love. And so did she. And that was like the hardest like real life example I can think of of like choosing love because the emotions aren't there. And maybe you experienced something similar whether it was through that kind of separation or uh, an emotional detachment or you guys are just going through a really difficult situation but you can choose to love. And then you have to show it too, right? Like there's lip service versus action. Love's a verb. I won't sing the song because you guys won't know it and I'll just embarrass myself but uh, love is a verb. There's action that's required behind it. 
So that's the foundation. We have to understand that God first loved us and we can love him with that agape love, that unconditional, sacrificial kind of love. And Jesus already paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. But going on, Jesus actually lays out how we can love. How do I love God? He goes on and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He gives us four very distinct statements about how to love God. I'm going to try to answer these. I'm not a theologian. Uh, I did some reading, and this is the best I could come up with so we can help understand why uh, the scripture, because it also says it in Deuteronomy, why it says it in four different ways, right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does that mean? To love God with all my heart means I'm going to make him the greatest treasure in my life, and he will have the most value to me. His, my relationship with him will be valued above everything else in my life. Uh, because if you think about it and you've, you've dated or you're, you're married, uh, you treasure that person, right? They're your most cherished possession, even though they're not a possession, but that's how like, we view them, right? They're cherished. You value them above all else. Matthew 6, 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be as well. So when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, we treasure that relationship. We treasure what he's done. We cherish it. We say, you know what? You are the most important thing to me. When we said our wedding vows, we said that. You're the most important thing to me. That's heart. To love the Lord your God with all your soul. This one's difficult because it's, it, it, it's hard to put tangible stuff to, but to love God with all my soul means loving God with all that I am my will, my attitudes, my intentions, my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings, my body, all of that stuff with everything that I am. And it's, that's like really complicated. <laughs> but when you're intimate with somebody, you're, you're fully exposed and you can love with all of those areas. My heart, my emotions, my attitudes, my thoughts, all of that stuff. I love God with everything I am. Psalm 103, one says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Everything I am, my soul. Because here's the truth, these bodies will break down and die someday. But we have an eternal soul that lives on. And that's important. So when Jesus is also saying, not just my body, not just my heart, but also my soul, my eternal being, I'm going to love God with everything I am. How do I love the Lord your God? With all your mind. To love God with my mind means I love him with my reason, my thoughts, and my intellect. Man, thoughts are difficult, right? Because they come and go, and if we don't take bad thoughts captive and, and focus on the, on the things from God's word, they can overrun our lives. And man, sometimes thoughts come out of nowhere, Right? Like, you're like, where did that come from? Maybe it's just a song that gets stuck in your head. Like, maybe after I stopped, started bobbing my head, everybody just started singing, you know, love songs, whatever. Uh, you're driving and somebody cuts you off, and all of a sudden you just, like, get super angry. You're like, oh, man, I was having such a good day. Where did that come from? Thoughts are powerful. And here Jesus is talking about making sure that our thoughts honor and love God that we're in a good headspace, that we're clearing, that we're meditating on the word, that we're, we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's how Romans talks about it. That we're holding those bad thoughts captive and we're choosing to think about the things that honor God. Ephesians 4, 21 and 23 says this, since you've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes with him, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. It's really good stuff. 
So Jesus is weaving this, this complex structure, right, about how we're supposed to love God. First with our heart, that's kind of our emotions and feeling and center of what we cherish. Then with our soul, everything we are uh, beyond our physical body. And then our mind, what goes on in here. And then he, he finishes it up with saying, love the Lord your God with all your strength. What is the strength that Jesus is talking about? Strength is putting my love into action. It is loving God through what I say, but then also what I do. I honor him with my abilities, my resources, my service, and the way I love other people. So if you see what Jesus is doing in this moment, he's painting this beautiful picture of every aspect of our lives and saying, love God with all of it. Not just one piece of it. Because on one hand, right, we can, we can love God emotionally and say, oh God, I just love you. Like I love pizza, right? I have a strong affinity for pizza. And actually bacon cheeseburgers is probably more accurate than uh, for me. Uh, we can say it like that. We can also say, God, I'll, I love you with my thoughts. I'll think about you, but our actions aren't there. We can say, God, I'm gonna serve, but our heart could be in a totally different place. We may not have let God's word uh, just flow through us, like my innermost being. And if we're missing any one of those areas, we're missing out on fully loving God, and it's actually messing with our foundational love that sets everything else up. So I, I have an illustration for you, and it's not a perfect illustration. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not without its faults and everything, but I wanted to kind of show you this. So I've got, I've got a bunch of these uh, buddy boxes. So these are for kids uh, to put their change in. If they don't have buddy barrels, you can get a buddy box from Cooper. I stole these from him. He doesn't know, so don't tell him. Uh, also, we have a million of them, so I don't think he'll miss them. But anyway... Uh, I just want to use these. I want to show you what I mean. And it, like I said, it's not a perfect illustration, but I think it sets us up. So uh, Jesus said, uh, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. So this is going to represent heart. Uh, with all your soul. With all your mind. And all your strength. All right? Following along so far? So we got the different ways we can love God. But from there, we're also commanded to to show love to other people in, in a certain priority, right? So for me, I need to love my spouse. I need to love Jody. I need to love my kids. I've got four of them. I need a lot of love to go around some days. All right? Uh, I also need to love my family. And sometimes that's the hardest one if we're going to be really honest, right? Extended family. And you're just like, you just want to shake your fist at them. And maybe sometimes do a little bit more with that fist, but you back off for just a second. All right, thoughts, right? Thoughts are powerful. All right, uh, then we also have friends. We also have uh, coworkers, people we interact with that maybe aren't our friends, but we interact on a daily basis. And then we're also called to love the unlovable and people across the world from us. And in my opinion, if we cannot get our foundation right, if we can't get the structure right, the rest falls apart. So what's on the bottom here? What's holding the rest of the pyramid up? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, what happens if I say, God, you can be in three of these areas, but not this fourth area? Well, it actually depends on where it falls on the pyramid, but the one thing for sure is it creates un instability. When I say, God, I will, I will honor you uh, with my actions, I will honor you with my heart and stuff, but God, uh, I like my thoughts and I'm gonna keep them to myself. Okay, so it's a little bit unstable. 
But what happens more often than not is when we, we shut God out of one area, we begin to shut him out of other areas as well. And then we say, God, you know what? Actually, I don't feel in love with you, so uh, I'm, I'm taking my heart back. It's been broken too many times. Now my structure is really, really bad. And what if I shut God out of my life completely and I'm just like, God, I'm done. What happens to my structure? It begins to collapse. And here's where I think we miss it sometimes because we skip over this passage all, often, especially in the Christian church. In Jewish culture, this is the first thing they say. They wake up every morning, it's the Shema, and they say it every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord is God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But it's the foundation for everything else. So the rest of the month, I'm going to talk about other relationships. I'm going to talk about relationships with your spouse. I'm going to talk about relationships with your kids, your family. We're going to talk about our relationships in the working environment, friends. Uh, We're going to talk about loving your enemy. We're going to talk about loving the unlovable. We're going to talk about loving the people all the way around the world that we've never even met. And how can we do that? But that was the best case scenario, right? What if I shut off God from an area of my life and it's one of these boxes? Then you get to play Jenga and see what happens, right? The structure starts to crumble because it doesn't have a strong foundation. So church, what I want you to hear today is that we can talk about love and relationships, but until our love of God is in the right place and it's foundationally sound, it's structurally sound and it's deep and it's heavy and it roots us in everything that God is, the rest of our relationships are on on uneven ground. The rest can collapse. The, it could look right, like, because if you look at this, doesn't this side of the pyramid look just fine? Yeah, it does. But this other side of the pyramid's a hot mess. And when we let God into only certain parts of our life, this is what happens. This is, this is how it starts to collapse. And I, I, I can't stress enough, when you shut God out of one area of your life, the other areas tend to quickly fall along with that. Say, you can have my heart, but no more. You can have my thoughts, but no more. I'm going to take that back, Jesus. And you just start getting to instability, and things start to fall into crumble. So today, church, I want you to hear that our love of God needs to be an all-consuming thing so that we can love others. There's a reason Jesus said that's the first and greatest commandment, right? Uh, in, In different passages, I think it's Luke, where he talks about the first greatest commandment is love the Lord your God. And the second is like it. A little bit different language. It's the same, uh, same moment. But are we choosing to love God with all of us, with our heart and emotions, even if we don't feel like it? Are we choosing to love him with our soul? Everything we are, we're letting God's word get into us and work through us and knowing that eternally we're good with God. Are we letting God get into our mind? Because a lot of times that's our biggest battlefield is, is our thoughts, and we need to take those thoughts captive and we need to think on the things of Christ and of God's word. Are we letting God show through our actions? Are we loving God with our actions? Uh, actions speak louder than words, but some of us are really good at doing the actions and the rest of us is messed up. Uh, as a church, man, just generically, the whole church, not just our church, but people are really good about acting like everything's okay. We come in and you could be having a knockout, drag out fight with your family in the parking lot and you hit those church doors and what happens? Hey, good morning, how are you guys doing? Oh, we're good, we're good. 
So sometimes we're actually really strong in the action of loving God and loving others, but we're failing in the mental battle and we're failing uh, in our private life versus our public life. And I could, I could preach on that for a while, but that's, that was not the intent of the message, all right? The intent of the message is this. We have to get our foundation set and solid so we can, in turn, love others the way we're supposed to love them. Amen? Would you stand with me? I want to I close out today. And here's how I want to close out today.